You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Hey, Matt Frank. Uh, yes, Chris. I have a question for you that maybe you specifically can answer. What kind of beer do, you know, the giant monsters, the kaiju drink? Uh, I, I, I don't know because, you know, uh, beer is really sort of a, a human construct and kaiju are sort of supposed to be, I mean, thematically they're supposed to be above humanity uh, uh, and okay, you know, okay, okay. and all that. All There's right, not really we, any evidence no, to No, 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 let me stop they, you right there. All right, fine. What kind of beer do people who like kaiju and giant monsters drink? Oh, Circle Brewery. Circle that, Brewery. That, that stuff's great. So you too. Sure, hell yeah. Oh, it's right here in Austin, yeah. Texas. Circle Brewery, uh, they have their brew pub. You can go check out all their beers right there, and they are the official sponsor for oneofus.net. Hell yeah. Uh, you look at, yeah, I mean, you're drinking, uh. The, the, the Hefeweizen is pretty good. Yeah, the Circle like. Blur. It's my favorite too. Yeah, I, I actually just like, I don't even like beer, and I like, uh, these guys. I, actually, it's, it's nice. It's a nice flavor to it. It's good stuff. Check out Circle Brewing, the official sponsor for oneofus.net, and come visit them at their brew pub in Austin, Texas. Hey everybody, this is Matt. Uh, just coming to you right before the episode starts with a little note. Uh, we had an audio issue, uh, uh, specifically with Morgan's microphone. Uh, we're not entirely sure what the problem was. Either the mic was unplugged or it just didn't record properly. We're honestly not sure. And we're really sorry about that. But if you... You know, if you listen closely, you can make out what she's saying. Uh, she's just really, really, really quiet, and a few uh, lines of hers do get swallowed up in the noise of the conversation. But, uh, you know, you can still hear her for her big points she makes and stuff. So, yeah, uh, bear with us. We really appreciate it, and next time we will work to make sure that it doesn't happen. So, thanks again. Uh, I'm glad that we're back for 2019. Uh, hopefully, this year we'll have more episodes, <laughs> more consistently throughout the course of the year. Thanks, and uh, have a, a gigantastic day. From the depths of pop culture rises a beast of unimaginable obsession to wreak havoc on the podcast of man. This is the Giganticast. <laughs> Gridman, baby, Dan, Dan. Uh, nobody else knows the words of that song. Yeah. Either. I was trying to get a sing-along going and... Aww, yeah, sorry. Cool. <laughs> I think it's the fucking opposite of real cool, but... Yeah. I, I would have I sung along if I knew the words. Oh, uh, well... <laughs> well, the um, uh, those are those are the uh, lyrics to the original uh, Gridman uh, TV series, which is not actually what we're talking about today. We are uh, talking about um, SSSS dot Gridman. Thank you, Japan. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, they, wanted, they wanted the U.S. audience to feel somewhat included. If they could catch on on what the SSSS stands for, a, a lot of people it, would, would they feel included though? Unless they I felt already, included. Did, oh, okay, so so they reached you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say. I think I I remembered. Uh, so we watched. Okay, first of all, I'm Matt. Hi, Matt. Go down the line. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm I'm John. Yep. I'm Morgan. Yay! Uh, we're here. Uh, you know, this is the gigantic cast, and we're talking about. SSSS Dockrid Man, which is the the hit new anime series. Are you supposed to pronounce the dot? I choose to think of it as being like a, a uh, file. 
I choose to think of it as being like a file, yeah, like some like digital shit. Um, like Gridman is like an exe type. Yeah, Gridman.exe. Yeah, file type, I'm but S S S S. I didn't pick up on any of that until you said it just this exact moment. Oh, we well, watched I'm the mad. entire series, kiddo. I know. <laughs> I was there. Well, uh, this is the first uh, gigantic cast of 2019. It's the first gigantic cast in a while. We've uh, I've been busy. 2018 was a hell of a year. Yeah. For I everybody. can't even remember the last time I was on a Gigantacast. The last time you were on was when we did uh, we did the Power Rangers episode. Where yeah. It was you, me, and Amanda. We yeah. just talked about Power Rangers. That was back when Ju-Oger came out. Yeah. Oh, dang, Ju-Oger. Was that? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, that was before, That was like two or three years ago. That was before I ever got to go to a Power Morphicon. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> so I was such a young child back then. So we, we were so innocent. We were so we were different people. I didn't have facial hair? No. Oh <laughs> yeah. Balls hadn't dropped yet. It was a weird time. Um That is weird. Thanks for bringing it up. I'm glad I did. Uh so yeah, we are uh we're also now on iTunes and Spotify. If you hey. guys, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's so cool. You should totally check us out, you guys, on iTunes and Spotify. You guys, you guys, you can check it out, you guys, you guys. Anyway, uh, so yeah, no, that's really exciting. I just found out about that this evening, so that's that's fun. That'll be fun. Um, so yeah, uh, so anyway, this anime. So just a little bit of background, um. S S S S. I always think I'm putting in an extra S or not enough S. There's four S's. Nobody is nobody's grading you. The Gridman anime is uh, basically a semi semi sequel, semi reboot uh, to uh, more like a soft reboot, I guess you would call it, to uh, Gridman the Hyper Agent or Denko Chojin Gridman. It's a it's a reboot in the same vein that Bumblebee is a reboot of Transformers. The people who want to consider it still in continuity will with the previous Transformers movies, but everyone who actually is right will pretend it's something completely <laughs> new and ignoring all those other movies. I was about to say uh, I like that comparison. The difference, though, is that if you consider the Gridman anime to be in the same universe as the original Gridman, it's actually an enriching experience. It is, it is. As opposed to Bumblebee, where any connection whatsoever <laughs> to the Bay movies actually makes it worse. So, um... Yeah. I'm not saying that... What? <laughs> anyway. Uh... So, Gridman, the original Gridman, was a live-action tokusatsu series by Super Eye Productions, which is the company that makes Ultraman. Yay! And uh, it was adapted into the United States as John... Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. There you go. With which Matthew is, Lawrence. Yeah, with the Lawrence and brother. Weird. And and I remember a friend of mine um, years ago made an observation while we were watching the Christmas special that he had had a VHS for. And I'm talking like, yeah. I'm not talking like when we were kids. I'm talking like maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he made an interesting observation, which was uh, uh, Super Mario Samurai Cyber Squad is written like a written and shot and edited like a sitcom. Yes, but there's no laugh track. No, so it just feels like. Everything, everyone's dying. It, it's it's literally written like an episode of Saved by the Bell. Oh uh, Saved by the Bell oh. by way of Full House. Yeah, <laughs> Saved by the Bell or Boy Meets World or, yeah. you know, uh, those type of shows. Or Blossom, if you want to get the Lawrence <laughs> Brother connection. Oh, um, man. It, it, it's so, it's such an odd thing, but that's also not what we're talking about. Although there are... Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad references in... Surprising number of them. Yeah. Oh, but that makes me so happy. 
It does because, well, that, I mean, refer, the Gridman anime is a reference to the anime because, yes, and I don't know if I like that or not because. I love it. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Mm. As someone who has only seen a handful of episodes of the original Japanese Gridman mm-hmm. show. Which is on Amazon Prime on the Toku channel. You should yeah. check it out. Um, and as someone who has watched a large number of the Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. You saw stuff, enough. Um, <laughs> I don't think I caught every reference. Like, there's a lot of references I'm sure I, I didn't catch. Mm. But it didn't hurt my experience of watching it. Oh, no. Uh, I, I agree. It's... um. <sighs> I think that a certain amount of familiarity with the genre as a whole helps, uh, because I was talking to someone else after that. Now, I'm going to put a pin in that. Uh, Before we get too deep into this podcast, I do want to say, spoilers, 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 spoilers. If you haven't seen the whole series, you might as well just not listen, because... Come back. Come back. Go go watch or whatever. Come back. Yeah, we'll wait. Um... That's, yeah, we, I mean, we, uh, as long as they hit pause, we'll be waiting. No, it's live. And then when all they hit the time. play. <laughs> it's live all the time. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but I just wanted to preface it by saying that we're going to be talking about... Uh, we're going to be covering some m- most of the series, and then at the very... We are also going to be talking about the ending. Because the ending is what prompted this podcast. Yes. Because John specifically was like, I really want to, he posted on Facebook, I really want to talk to Matt Frank about that ending. And I'm like, Jacanicast, let's do it! Yeah, I mean, um, that's that's kind of the thing. Like, I saw it in the more, I, I literally spent an entire weekend thinking about it. And, <laughs> awesome. Uh, and then what was funny is I, I, I found a YouTube channel mm-hmm. of some guy talking about the ending of it. Um, and his was, what his thoughts were pretty much lining up with mine. Mm-hmm. But then he pointed out stuff that I didn't catch because I didn't, and and he does, is never familiar with. He's not fi- familiar with Gridman at all. Oh, okay. And and then I was putting together with what I know, with what he, yeah. What the stuff that, and it's just like it's gonna be really interesting. Literally, the second I I ended that video of his, I was like, he thought along the same lines as I on a lot of things, and he pointed out stuff I didn't catch. Holy crap! I need to talk to Matt. It's gonna be really interesting to see how this conversation goes because I'm sure that though you guys probably put some connections together that I didn't put together, and at the same time though, because I'm familiar with the original series, there's gonna be things that I know yes. that are gonna be really interesting meta commentative stuff that are people are gonna start glazing over when oh, they hear that, me talking about it. That show is that, this anime is so fucking meta. Yeah. It's extremely meta. It's extremely like I love I love the integration of the references and the Easter eggs and all this other stuff. And like you said earlier, it makes it a much more enriching experience. But you could come into this without knowing any of that stuff and still really enjoy it. I I, I sort of uh, like thinking about the series as something of a of a, a gateway drug to tokusatsu in in general because a lot of the YouTube videos I've been seeing are people talking about this. These are people who don't know anything about tokusatsu and hearing them having to like even pronounce the word tokusatsu is really funny and they're also like but they are also making connections. There's actually a really great video. I do recommend everybody go check it out on YouTube. It's it's I believe it's Gridman and the Uncanny. And it's basically talking about the way uh, Gridman is quote-unquote shot, the way it's filmed, uh, so to speak. Like, the way the cameras are framed. And... Yeah, I saw this video, too. I think mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. I, I guess we must... I don't know if we watched it together, but I know you know what I'm talking well, we about. We did. We did with, like, the framing and everything. Oh, like, we did. Okay. Completely closed framing. I was there. Okay. I'm not 
Okay, I'm not calling you a liar. I'm just trying to remember history. Um, um, one thing that I definitely like to yell at people is that uh, I feel like one of the major influences of the way the show is 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 shot and blocked out and framed is the work of Akio Josoji, who um, no one fucking knows who this guy is. Uh, he directed a ton of Ultraman episodes. He, uh, and, a, and a lot of movies and TV shows and stuff, he's considered something of a legend in Japan. And if you're watching a show or something and a, a particularly weird episode comes up where everything is shot either really close up or really far away or there's a bunch of shit into the frame that's in front of the, in front of the characters and stuff, everything's blocked out really weird, that's a Jisoji episode. Makes and I, sense. I feel like that influence has spilled over in, into Ridman. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah. So uh, I guess uh, just as a general overview, so people I have a little more context. The basic uh, setup is that this is a superhero show, yes, and it is a giant hero show like Ultraman. You know, a monster show, monster of the week shows up. Gridman, uh, 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 a plucky, a plucky young boy transforms into Gridman and fights the monster, and with the help of his his friends, well, help, quote unquote. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it is quote unquote, but that's that's part of the premise. It is yeah, part of the premise. Thing that they address themselves later in the series, which I really like. Yeah, the uh, it, the characters are. Um, if I can uh, uh, remember well, using the my main character's brain. name is Yuta. Yeah, Yuta. Because uh, they say it all the time. Yeah. Hibiki-kun. Yeah, Yuta, who's this amnesiac. Uh, he, he wakes up, literally, he... What I like is that they... There are a lot of... I think had this had this series been directed uh, or, or produced by anyone else... I don't think it would have. I think it would have probably been a little eye rolly where you'd be like, "Oh, we're doing this again. Oh, we're doing this, this again." Studio Trigger, right? Yes, yeah. <clears throat> Studio Trigger, who's of course known for Kill a Kill and Little Witch Academia, and um, Gurren well, I, th- I, I think Gurren Lagann was a Gainax joint, but uh, okay. but the team who did Gainax, or at least a lot of the animators who worked on Gainax, uh, who worked on um, Gurren Lagann, went on to do Studio Trigger right, and all right. that. And like especially um, with Kill a Kill, like like doing that kind of breakdown where they, they sort of have their cake and eat it too with the tropes. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, that's like a boy, thing that they do. Trigger really likes doing that. They really like, um, yeah, yeah, they really like, uh, uh, they, they love breaking boundaries and doing weird stuff, but then just completely indulging in shit like, this camera is being super leery towards this underage girl. Hmm. Can we not? Yeah. Uh, they're like commenting on it like, yeah, isn't this weird? Isn't this dumb? But they're also doing the thing. Yeah, yeah. So Aren't you uncomfortable that we're making you uh, look at this? What's I don't know. It's anyway. It's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, there's Utah. There's... Uh, yeah. What's that? Rika, the girl. There's Rika, the girl. Uh, what? I know, but she's the girl of the crew. Um, that, what are you talking about? That's what I was talking Okay, fine. we're talking about the crew. The crew, obviously. There's Utah, uh, there's yeah. Rika, and Utsumi, uh, who's like the nerd, yeah. uh, who's the ultra fan, which yeah. is something I really love. Yeah, I like the fact that he was uh, he was constantly re- referencing the ultra series. And I mean, the deep cuts here, I was screaming at some of these deep cuts. I can testify to this. I was there for the screen. So I gotta actually ask a question before yes, we go any little yeah. further. When you watch this, did you watch the uh, the subtitled version or did you watch the dubbed version? We uh, have it on Crunchyroll, and Crunchyroll, as I understand it, only has the sub. They do. I didn't know there was a dub. Uh, Funimation was doing day of dubs, and um, that's on and their streaming network, right? So 
the funny thing about this is that when it first started airing, Funimation was still on Verve, which is Crunchyroll's other service where you can get, like, you pay, like, ten bucks and you get, like, Crunchyroll. And at the time, Funimation and Hanna-Barbera and Rooster Teeth and Geek and Sundry, like, all all the streaming stuff all for one, like, one price. Oh, that's awesome. Um, is that, oh, but that's not a thing anymore. No, 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 Verve's still around. Okay. Funimation is no longer part of it. Uh, because, right. Because Funimation got bought by Sony, and Crunchyroll got bought by AT&T, and oh, no. they don't want to play with each other, so Funimation pulled out of uh, pulled out of Verve. So I actually watched the first five episodes dubbed. Oh, yeah? And then I watched the rest of it subbed. Oh, is it... What was it like dubbed? Uh, it was kind of... Similar. Like, I don't really feel like I missed anything. Like, I feel like... Like, uh, Funimation does pretty good dubs, I feel. Oh, no, no. I mean, like, they yeah. do great dubs. They do great work. There's, yeah. There's some of these things that are so culture-specific. Yeah. when you do dubs for any series, like, there's some things that get lost in translation. Yeah. I really want to hear them say names and words in English, like... I want to hear two English language speaking people discuss Red King and yeah. which Red King is actually red. Yeah. Um, I think that w- I did see that one, Dublin. It didn't. It didn't come off like weird at all. I, but it's weird for me yeah. because <laughs> I. Uh, and that's what's so interesting. That's what's also so funny is that the Ultra series itself is so is so niche and so uh, is so obscure in the states. But in Japanese, it sounds so natural because this is this is their pop culture. This yeah. is shit they talk about all the this time. Is, this is their Superman and Batman. Oh, yeah. Right. This is their Spider-Man. Mind you, they have those too, but... Well, yeah, but they, they're not as... as, as uh, they don't permeate the culture the way that they yeah. do over here. And... Um, I don't know. I just... I really appreciated that, like, as a fan. And I also appreciated that... Um, I don't know. I just, it, but what I also appreciated was I was I was actually really worried that at some point somebody was going to have to basically say like being a fan was bad, you know, like being a nerd, like they were going to demonize being a nerd at some point because that happens a lot in certain media. Yeah. I can't think of anything off the top of my head where basically like you know. Being a fan, you know, you need to get out into the real world, even though that was part of the theme of the of the of the show uh, was kind of like getting out of the real world, but it wasn't necessarily necessarily uh, uh, tied indirectly to being a fan. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard to describe being so vague about it, but the, <clears throat> the other characters uh, in the show, uh, for example, are, well, there's Gridman himself, which uh, unfortunately Gridman doesn't get a whole lot of personality uh, in the show. And yeah. he doesn't really in the original show either, but he gets a few little moments, but for the most part he is, he is a hyper agent. He's yeah. he's basically a police officer from, and these are these are details that aren't specified in the show. That I have talked to some people who were a little confused about it. Were like they were like, well, what is Gridman? Like, what is he? And it's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, well, he's a hyper agent from the hyper world. He's he's a police officer who essentially goes around and. And they're like, oh, that wasn't explained. And I'm like, oh shit, it wasn't. Because a lot of people know who fucking Gridman is in Japan. It's sort of like, I would compare it to being like, um, having to have an origin story for Spider-Man now. As opposed to 10 years ago. Um, but he is voiced by Hikaru, oh jeez, that's a hell of a name. Hikaru Midorikawa, uh, who was the voice actor of the original Gridman as well. No. Yes. Well, it makes sense because 
as we found out at the end, it is the original Gridman. It's the same character. Yes. Oh, but that's fantastic. He's also he is he is a lot of yes. of anime characters. He is um I'm just as a quick little uh, rabbit hole here. He's Hiro Yui in Mobile Suit Gundam Wing. He is um, Kaede Rukawa in Slam Dunk. He's uh, Marth in Fire Emblem. Uh, that's interesting. And I know he's a couple of Dragon Ball characters too, like PyCon. Um, so that's really funny. I just. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going down his whole list of characters now, and I probably need to get out of this. Uh. No, no, hold on. Hold on. No, what? Oh, oh, he's some character named Lin and also Shin in Cowboy Bebop. I don't know who they are. Uh, I'm going to get out of this. Ooh, he's Silva in Shaman King. That's awesome. Okay, I'm done. Um, I was like, he doesn't look like her. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, uh, and then, of course, among the heroes, there's also the Neon Genesis Junior High students. Oh, my God. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely. when I when I heard that, I was like, groan, but also kind of funny. Well, Cute. and it doesn't even like it doesn't even mean anything. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It's just a no. dumb reference. Yeah, three of these people are clearly in their twenties or thirties. I was gonna say Max is definitely in his thirties or forties. Yeah. Max is Big Papa. He's yeah. like, yeah, he is yeah. an adult. It's very clear that most of these characters are not in high school. <laughs> Or junior high or whatever, yeah. I mean, there's everybody's favorite, Samurai Caliber. Yeah. Oh my god. I, he might be my favorite character of all characters. <laughs> like, I, like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, I love him immediately. He's, and then he had like three minutes of screen time, and I was so down. I was so here for this. He's an extremely clumsy, not super socially... Uh, 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 you know, he's he's a little socially inept. Oh yeah, he's awkward. I wouldn't even call him clumsy because it's not like you see him falling down a lot. He just has this cumbersome weapon. Yeah, gets stuck in doorways <laughs> and things like it would, mm. and he just sort of deals with it, and it's hilarious. He also looks like he's suffering from deep depression. Right? <laughs> he's he's coded. I feel like he's 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 coded as 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 being uh, mildly disabled. Like he's either maybe coded a little bit autistic, or okay. I may be reading a little too much into that. But he's got a stutter. And he's, uh, or some kind of speech impediment. Um, but I think it's sort of all things that sort of make him a little more charming and a little more interesting uh, amongst the rest of the cast. But you also have Max, who is, oh, and by the way, and I'm, I, I don't know, I, I know I, I told you this, but. I, I know, I think I know what you're, because I was going to bring it up as soon as there was a, a break. Well, you want to bring it up? Because you can. Oh, well, it's just the fact that I was going to ask, aren't all the names of the, the Neon Genesis Junior High, whatever characters, <laughs> aren't that all the names? the superhuman samurai cyber squad names they are references to particular characters yeah like boar who is the uh she's the little girl of the group uh she not actually a girl what Whoa, based what? on what the the they came out and said she's not a girl she is a boy who said what when this is this is from what i from what i was saying is that, that she's actually a, it's actually a boy though it's an androgynous boy. boy holy yeah. shit it says it's it on the wiki it. yeah that's boy. really funny. Oh, cool. Okay, so he, uh, he, I guess, uh, uh, does have a weapon uh, named after, uh, oh, uh, yeah, the Forrester Extinguisher missiles are named after uh, the girl from uh, the original Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Yeah. Da girl. Uh, da girl. Well, Forrest, Forrest is her last name. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember her first name. But anyway, um, also, also, uh, 
Max Borvit and Samurai Caliber are all uh, have a very, very subtle... In fact, it's throughout the show. There are very, very subtle visual references to very specific Transformers. Um, the Neon Genesis Junior High School students, they have these slight colors or slight patterns or, like, Max's faceplate. Those are all references specifically to the movie Dinobots. Oh. Specifically the toys of the movie Dinobots. Yeah. It's really specific. Yes, she has a weird little thing on her apron that is specifically a callback to Megatron's G1 toy. Huh. Yeah, yeah like, all the characters with any screen time that you see, like, they'll have, like, a hair barrette, or they'll have something on their jacket, or certain color patterns. Every single character has a Transformers reference. Uh, 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 Utah's shoes and backpack, if I remember correctly, are both references to a particular Bumblebee toy. Like, a recolored Bumblebee. Like a very specific, or Hot Rod. It's a very specific reference. Okay. And it's really funny because I know the guys who, like, a lot of the characters are characters from the Transformers Collectors Club comics. And uh, I've been working with the guys who used to run the Transformers Collectors Club. And they sort of were in charge of all those toys. So they've been freaking out over the show. And, of course, they are also the publishing company that puts out Red Man. Buy it now. Beat the Rush. Um, <laughs> um, gotta just slide that. Just gonna get that in there. in there. It's also a Super Aya property. Uh, don't at me. And, uh, yeah. Uh, That's so good. Thank you. Uh, the one, uh, the only character of the, of the crew that, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I was just, I was just sliding that in there as well. It's well, also good. I, so that someone It's hears not just fucking garbage. No, no, no. So that someone hears an opinion that's not, you know, you, the person making it, going, oh, no, it's good. Go buy it. Go buy it. Go buy it. Because, you know, sometimes people are like, I don't know if I can trust that. He's a little <laughs> too enthusiastic about his own work. Yeah. And then someone else goes, but trust me, it's good. I've read it. I've bought it. Well, I appreciate that. Volume two is coming out, yeah. and I'm working on volume three now. Oh, God, it's probably going to be six volumes. Ugh. Anyway, yeah, I know. Six volumes? Yeah, it's going to be six volumes. I'm okay. No, I haven't been okay since the accident. Um, <laughs> the only one of the characters who doesn't get a whole lot of um, screen time or really a whole lot of personality is Vit, because he turns he's the one who turns into a, a jet fighter. Okay. Um, he's sort of this laid-back, sort of cool-looking guy. Uh He's the one that's pretty, pretty boy face. Too. He seems the most put together and most yeah. like kind of boring. <laughs> well, it's well, just I just mean like he's kind of the one that's just kind of like there's an episode where the mother has to leave the shop and she puts him in charge and he's just kind of like, all right, I guess I'm in charge. Like, it, like yeah. he doesn't fight it. Like everyone else was like, no, I don't want to be in charge. I don't want to be in charge. I'm not good. I'm not fit to be in charge. <laughs> and he's just like, all right, I guess I'm in charge. Well, let's do this. It's. <sighs> It's a very, um, it's an interesting little cast, and then, of course, we get into our antagonists like Akane Shinjo, who is the, re- well, she's not the only antagonist, but she's really the breakout character of the show. Yes. It, she's kind of more of the main character than the main character. Well, the story really becomes about her. Yeah. Which I really Quite deeply, literally. I deeply appreciated the almost, the almost My Little Pony, uh, type of, of a villain rehabilitation that uh, the show sort of leans into because it really is about her and yeah and there's there's all sorts of like like visual signifiers that they use at the beginning and that as the series progresses I finally started picking up on them and realizing what they were doing with that character and then at the very very end I was like 
Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, if we just want to spoil it, I mean, well, okay. No, no, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get, there. get there. We'll get there. Uh, Shinjo-san uh, is, uh, she's the most, like, the most popular kid in school, and everyone likes her, and she's pretty, and she's got... You yeah, know, they talk about the really fact that she has filled out breasts, <laughs> for uh, a for high school student or junior high um, student. Student, but she's like you said, she's the most popular girl in school. She has, she lives in a mansion. She, you know, she has a, a huge collection of like kaiju and ultra series toys, and which is really funny because what I really appreciated was that it would have been really easy for it to be a bunch of A-list ultra kaiju that everybody in Japan knows about, like yeah. Baltan and Red King and Gomorrah and stuff. Those are monsters that are like, in Japan, are as popular as Godzilla monsters. Okay. Um, but, but what I really liked that they kept focusing on were shit from like also ran Ultra Series that people like, stuff from Nexus. And Ultraman Nexus is a great show. Ultraman Nexus is fantastic. But they're all like, they're, they have these, they're in frame, these monsters from Ultraman Nexus that nobody fucking remembers. Or stuff from Ultraman Powered, which was the never broadcast American made Ultraman series from 1993 that is fucking garbage. But it's got yeah. some fun stuff in it, but it's just like, it's like, oh shit, there's, uh, and, or, 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 or shit from Ultraman Great, the Australian Ultraman series. It's like, is that fucking, is that fucking Shilagi from the final episode of Ultraman Great? W what world is this? <laughs> so again, deep cut. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, so she's, she, it, it, Go ahead. No, 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 no. It's it's it, her character is interesting because again we don't want to go into too much right away. Uh, right. But it's it's very interesting. There's like a a turn halfway through the series where, or maybe not even halfway, a little bit more than halfway, mm -hmm. um, like two thirds almost towards that towards um, the uh, the final arc. Yeah, where it just kind of reveals more about her character, and it's just like the fuck. <laughs> yeah, there's there's you really start to learn. There's some shit going on. Yeah. And I, and 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 of course, you know, her whole thing is that she's working with a a a life form, a creature, uh, called Alexis Carib. Yeah, Alexis Carib. Carib, who is a himself is a ref. He's he's a reference to the villain of the original show, which is Khan Digifer or yeah. Kilo Khan. Which I will appreciate. Whoever they got to do the voice cast for the English version was really channeling Tim Curry. Okay, that's right, because Tim Curry did did do the voice of Kilo Khan in the English version. Yeah. So that's really cool. I'm gonna have to listen to the dub now because I, I've been wanting. To I mean, to it's dub. not a it's. Yeah, it's not a one to one like oh he's totally doing uh, Tim Curry, but he's sliding some Tim Curry that isms in there with the character. You've proven yourself useful, Meat Thing. Yeah. Um, oh my God, does he call anyone Meat Thing? Because uh, that's what he used to call the humans in the original no, show. Like, I, I think that I think the the translation was pretty close to what okay. is actually in the show. I I. I don't know. I appreciate it sometimes when dubs take some liberties and actually do fun things like that. But it, it's, you know, like, well, let's not go crazy. Um, but yeah, so Alexa... Too much liberty, too much liberty. This is something that I think is kind of interesting that, again, they don't, they don't really uh, talk about, uh, uh, which is that uh, Carib really is the reason why Gridman is here, because Gridman is... 
he's a police officer, yeah. and and this is an implication that there are creatures, there are life forms out there in the hyperworld, like Kilo Khan, like Alexis Carib, that essentially feed on human misery and suffering. And they, but they can't really create anything themselves, so they attach themselves to a particularly miserable person. Like in the original Gridman, uh, Kanjijifer attached himself to uh, some incel, and um, <laughs> they. We don't even need a character name at this point. Yeah. I forget his name, yeah. but he has a who has his own character arc, and I appreciated that in the original show. Uh, but that's not the show. And so, like, in the original show, Alexis Kara must have found Akane Shinjo and kind of attached himself to her. Yeah. Sorry, you look like you had something to say. Um, anybody. Uh, <laughs> no, just let you talk. Well, I don't want to be the only person yammering this whole hey, time. I, I'm, I, am, I am inputting where I can, sir. Okay. All right. We're working our way through it. We're still kind of in the introduction. Yeah, we're still that's trying true. to that's explain true. who all these characters so, are. So, we have gone, I don't know... Way too long without bringing up Auntie Kun. Oh, Auntie. Okay, so the thing with just Shinjo, with Akane Shinjo, is that she is creating monsters. Yes. She sculpts monsters, her own monster designs, and then Alexis Karup goes, Instant reaction and yeah. brings them to life, and they start destroying stuff. Specifically, she creates them, A, because she likes kaiju, and B, because she just wants to kill people who annoy her. Yeah, basically. And, um,. Yeah, the and so one character she creates with this express intention of destroying Gridman is Anti or Anti, I guess you call him. How do they say it in the dub? Do they say Anti? I don't. So, oh, did you not get to him? So I did get to him in the dub, but I don't think they actually said his name in the episode that I got to. Mm. And then Funimation pulled out a verve, so the only way I could watch it was subtitled. Ah. Which I I was worried that Funima- that Funimation also had the subtitle, so I was like, oh god, I hope I'm not going to be able to. I'm going to be able to watch this. And then luckily Crunchyroll had it. So yeah. Uh, well, there. I mean, well, Auntie is how they pronounce it in Japanese, yeah. but basically he's he has a human form. Which is our garbage child, our, our garbage orphan, precious garbage son. Because he, because to be able to keep up his uh, his kaiju form or whatever mm. you want to call it, he has to consume a lot of of food, food. Yeah. Of, you know, to to build up energy so that he can transform and stay transformed for a long period of time. Right. Um. And since he's a new being that doesn't really know a lot, he's just created and told go kill Gridman. Um. Yeah. He basically scrounges for food wherever he can get it, which nine times out of ten is the garbage. Yes. He's... It, it's so interesting because you really get a, a, a feel for how immature Akane is. Yeah. For the way she treats him. Yes. Uh, because as the series go on, you start to really learn a lot about like why the world is the way it is and why nobody can quite remember what happens when Gridman defeats a kaiju and nobody remembers Gridman defeating a kaiju. The world just kind of rewrites itself yeah. and everybody forgets what happens. Yeah, yeah they forget. And the world like corrects itself overnight. Buildings get rebuilt. That kind of thing. It's like yeah. a reset button. Yeah, and I would like to say, you know, one of the big differences between this show and the original Gridman is that the original Gridman and even Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, when he would train, like the world that that Gridman fights the monsters in, is the digital world. It's essentially the internet yes. in a in a sense, um, and is not. But it affects things in the real world. But it's yes. not like them fighting with buildings and people getting you know tussled around. It's so it's very different. And here, 
it's totally like the kaiju are there in the world. So I, that was one of Which, the big weird things for me at the very beginning because I was like, oh, what are they trying to do that's different? That you know, Gridman now comes into the real into this world and. Yes, yeah. yes, that's one of the things. Like, they set up a bunch of stuff from episode one that just, they, they, there are all these little signifiers that, like, if you, if you knew from the original Gridman or if you were, or if you were, like, like, maybe paying a little bit more attention when yeah. I was not, I was just enjoying it. Like, <laughs> you would have kind of seen it coming, but because they did that and they still managed to surprise me, it was fantastic. Well, I mean, it it was always implied in the original series that the kaiju could break through the barrier yeah. between the digital world and the real world and run amok. Ooh. And uh, and there is a like magazine exclusive sequel to the original Gridman called Gridman Sigma, where um, if I remember correctly, the antagonist of the original Gridman becomes Gridman Sigma. Uh, and so there's two Gridman basically teaming up to fight monsters and stuff. And I think they do fight. Uh, monsters in the real world a few times. Um, in fact, the animation, there's an animated short that basically kicked this whole production off by Studio Trigger, uh, directed by Akira Amamiya, um, that is sort of a tribute to the original Gridman series, uh, and it uh, and it ends with that character, the villain, whose name is escaping me, um, basically getting the Acceptor and doing Access Flash, and at the very end of the episode, he turns into Gridman Sigma in the middle of Tokyo to fight these monsters. So, it's fun, it's fun, it's it's fun, yeah. But yeah, um, let's see. Uh, And I mean, like, each episode, it's not just a Monster of the Week sort of setup. There's always... Uh, something going on that sort of becomes a theme of the episode. You know, you have, um, you have, uh, like an episode that's sort of about these kids who are YouTubers and, uh, Akane Shinjo doesn't just hate them. They make her uncomfortable by invading her personal space because she goes out on a date, uh, like a, like a group date with a couple other, with, with Rika and a couple other kids. So she, she decides, I don't like these people. I want them to die. Yeah. And yeah. And that's kind of her driving factor is to, she creates the kaiju to remove a person that is annoying her or, you know, just mildly annoying her or greatly annoying her from existence. Yes, and and again, it but it speaks to that kind of childish approach in that she can't just kill this guy. It's got to be this big fucking thing where she creates a monster because she wants to see the monster destroy stuff. And what we learn, although just as a quick note, I love the kaiju in this so much because they're all designed to look like guys in suits. Yes, yes, they, yes, they are. And they're, they are all CGI creations, but I feel like that actually lends to the uh, the weight of I, it. I also feel like they probably got like people in mocap suits so that they could get the proper guy in suit mocap. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. And on, on top of that, they got actual uh, kaiju artists to oh, design nice. monsters. Like the fir- very, very famous, no, I, I don't want to say famously, but it's fairly well documented that the first monster, Gol, Gol, uh, Gul Gilas, the first monster monster in the show was designed by Shinji Nishikawa, who was oh. the artist behind Godzilla 2000 and Mecha King Ghidorah and Destroyer. And he, he was the main Godzilla, he was the main kaiju designer for Toho between uh, 1989 and 2004. Wow. Um, he designed Gogilas, he designed uh, 
Devadandan, who was the second one with the weird, like, like uh, white and black and glowy body with a laser in its chest. Oh, God, I um, love that one. That monster's cool. And there's a bunch of other monsters. Uh, one thing I appreciated was the monster Gongli, who is the... That's the monster that sort of created fog and had, like, whip-like tentacles and stuff. Okay. Yeah, oh, for the YouTube episode. Yeah, yeah. that... I really appreciated that monster because it looked like it looked like it was designed as though there was an actor's arms inside of the tentacles, where it just it had this awkward little joint in them. So I don't know. I just appreciated that little that little nugget. Yeah. Um, and you know, and there's of course there are other characters who show up who are direct references to the original show. There's a um, there's a little a little girl character. Yeah, she was the only one that I was completely lost on, and mm. I was just kind of like, well. Her purpose was to kind of come in and then basically go, hey, exposition. Yeah. And See you later. It, again, that's one of the things where it's like, if you're familiar with the original show, you would know who that is. Uh, she is a reference to a very specific episode where it is revealed in the original Gridman that the digital world isn't just circuitry and flabbity flu. It's... There are life forms living in the digital world, living in these computer spaces and stuff, including monsters. And uh, the creature she's based on, which also shows up in the final episode, uh, is a sound spirit. Uh, that basically, it's a, basically a spirit, uh, a, a life form that embodies music and sound. And um, it's a little more complicated than that, but it was a it was a nice callback. And it's basically showing that Gridman has allies outside of. Just these people. Like, yeah. Yeah. There is a legacy here. And also that not all mon- kaiju or whatever are evil. That's true. That yes. was that, that was kind of the big other thing is that she was like, no, 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 we're not all, we don't all want to destroy everyone. We just, some of us just want to be left alone. Yeah. On our own kind of thing. And and play the Gridman theme song for you uh, in your headphones. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And just, you know, and there's just so many, there's so many like cool monsters and it all comes to a head when I, of course, really appreciated when Auntie, because uh, Auntie's power, back backtracking to him, his power is his ability to also copy Gridman and and any of Gridman's, because because you know Gridman gets more powerful as he combines with the other, because uh, the Neon Genesis high school students can of course transform into vehicles and stuff when they go through Access Flash, Access Flash, and uh, and so. Auntie is able to also copy those abilities. Auntie himself, his monster form is actually a reference to another monster uh, named um... Shit. Um... <laughs> wow, yeah, that's a weird name. Yeah, it is. Shitto. No, no, it's a Sinobilar, um, and he's he's a ninja monster, but he's got that same red visor eye thing. And he's got okay. a similar color scheme and design. He becomes Grid Knight. Yeah. Which, oh god, that was like the best thing to ever happen. <laughs> I was I you was really liked that. Losing my mind. You really like the sort of a dark, dark tinge, so to speak, ultra hero type characters. Like you love Hikari. You've always been Agul curious. <laughs> um, <laughs> Agul curious. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, well, those are of course all uh, other characters that nobody knows what I'm talking about. I'll just be quiet. Um, it's your podcast. Okay. Never be quiet. Aha! Sharad, you are! I get to do whatever I want. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so And that really kind of turns things on their head, and, and, and he has his own little arc, but the thing we really uh, the thing we really need to 
barrel towards is the ending. Yeah. Yes. Because, as we know, Akane Shinjo really starts becoming depressed because things aren't under her control anymore. Yeah, things aren't, uh, things aren't going her way. Auntie, you know, basically uh, starts starts working with Gridman because he's it's, he basically becomes like a Vegeta type where he's like, no one gets to kill you but me. Yes, yeah. That is exactly what happens. And he actually says, you need to live long enough so that I can be the one to end your life because that is my entire purpose. That's what I was created for. Yes. And on top of that, um, uh, he also, uh, Rika was kind to him. Yeah. And that's the first time anyone had been kind to him. I mean, aside of that one time, Akane was kind to him. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and even that was sort of like a, I don't know if I would call that kindness. That's Manipulative? Like, that's like, you know, you get the carrot or you get the stick and he happened to get the carrot. Yeah. yeah that's a very good way to put that. That's right. And uh, and Rika was like, I found a dirty child. <laughs> yes, I found a dirty child. Let me take it home and feed it and bathe it and name it George. I always liked the way, I, I gotta be honest, I know it might be a little... Maybe I'm I'm weird, but whenever Auntie was sitting there devouring food, I'm kind of like, I don't want a I want a burger. Oh <laughs> it's like, like you are the most like visually suggestible person. <laughs> like I was on the phone with him; he was driving somewhere, and I was just talking to him on the phone. And like something out of the fucking Simpsons, like all of a sudden he stops mid sentence because a Lay's truck drove <laughs> past him, and he just stops what he's saying to me mid sentence goes. Potato chips. <laughs> well, because I start thinking about them, I start thinking about how crunchy and salty they are, and, and you just eat like a whole bag in one sitting, and you feel like a piece of shit. Um, you, you are the target audience that all marketers wish they had. Oh, I know. <laughs> Have you seen our house? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let me think. Let me think about it. Wait. Wait. Yeah. I, I live there. Anyway. So, uh, and at one point in the show, uh, Akane decides that she's done trying to do the things the way you're supposed to do them, which is you send a monster to Gridman, hope the monster defeats it, and it doesn't. Spoiler, done work. Done work. So she just, she knows that Utah is Gridman. She's known he's Gridman for a while. They're like, they even are like having pleasant conversations at school about it. So she just decides, fuck it, I'm just going to go stab the shit out of them. <laughs> should we actually bring up the what the whole, I mean, at this point, because we get spoilers and all that. Sure, Should sure. we actually bring up, like, what it, like, the big thing, the big reveal in the mid, basically about her, uh, is that. Yeah, go ahead. Which is that she is God, essentially. She, she cre- and by that I just mean that she created this world. Like, yes. yeah, everything in this world was created by her, including the kaiju, and the reason... Including the people in the world. It, yeah, including the people in the yeah. world. She Basically created the most everything. elaborate version of the Sims um, ever created. And there's some things that are said in the ending, which we'll go into when we get there, but yeah. uh, that I, I thought was very interesting about the character, and about what, uh, what the implications <laughs> of that, of why things are the way they are. Mm. Where basically at the end of each night, there's these giant kaiju that don't move in the city, that only you know the yes. Gridman Alliance can see, and no one else can see them. Right. Uh, and it turns out that at the end of the night, when everything's done, they go and repair the city. Yeah. And in, in a sense, rewrite reality so that the people who died just never existed, or they died much earlier. Yeah, like, they quote-unquote died a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, in a car accident or something. Yeah. And, um, so essentially everyone in this world is a creation of hers. And the whole thing, that, which goes into the idea of that she's upset when people upset her, she creates a kaiju to remove them, because for whatever reason, they're annoying her, she's God, 
they shouldn't be here, get them out. Mm-hmm. Right, and and it also really explains her sociopathic tendencies because to them, these people aren't really real. Yeah. They're basically, they exist purely to make her happy or to fawn over her. Yes. And, and, and I think that she didn't really, really super realize that, that they kind of have their own lives and they think they are real. And for all intents and purposes, they are real. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the, um, also as a little side note, the uh, poison gas monsters themselves are specifically monsters from the original series. Uh, anyway. Original series, original Ultraman? Or original really? Gridman. Original Gridman. Mm-hmm. There was a monster that Gridman fought that looked exactly like those monsters. Ah. Um, but in this, they're just poison gas monsters. They don't really do any fighting or anything. Yeah, they mostly just repair and spit out poison gas. They, they, that yeah. That makes people forget. Yeah, I mean, they just look like statues. Like, yeah. they look like stone. And they're really creepy, because they're always just up in the background, off yeah. in the distance. Um, so, when it, that is revealed, it really kind of throws a lot of people's uh, sense of reality into question. Not for very long, but um, they, I think I think at a certain point, everybody is kind of like, no, we're, we're real, we're alive. Like, there's an episode where Akane basically rewrites reality, and is like... Oh no, Yuta's my boyfriend, Rika's my best friend, and, uh, what's the nerd's name? Utsumi. Utsumi, uh, and Utsumi and I go to Mandarake and buy Ultraman kaiju and stuff, and I'm like, fuck. Well, and this is actually kind of where I think the most telling of her character, uh, is that episode, because Mm -hmm. she essentially creates these three separate realities where she essentially gives the person that she's with their their perfect life yeah. essentially like she finds yuda yuda gets to be with her and he seems happy with that uh what, what's the girl's name i apologize rika. rika you know with rika they're best friends and they're hanging out all the time and then with utsumi it's oh we're gonna go talk about kaiju and we're gonna talk about ultraman series and we're gonna buy all the stuff mm-hmm. um which is you know because that's his interest he's totally in- into all that stuff yeah and it's kind of this where she creates this perfect fantasy world for all of them. This is kind of her last, like, if this doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it's right. kind of the thing that breaks her because yeah. they all kind of come out like, this isn't real. Well, what I what I really appreciated uh, is that it wasn't just that they realized it wasn't real. It was that they were like, this is too perfect. Yeah. yeah. This is everything I've wanted and... It, it, it's sad. It's sad in a way, but sad in a way that you kind of have to embrace when it comes to being alive, which is like, I'm not going to get everything I want and I'm not going to, you know, be as deliriously happy like this all the time. Um, it's, it's pretty poignant and it's not exactly something that other series also haven't done. Like I'm reminded specifically of the, um, the black mercy episode of justice league unlimited, where yeah. uh, Superman gets the Black... Mongol uh, gave Superman the Black Mercy, and it created a perfect fantasy world for him. And when Superman breaks out of it, Mongol describes it as, it must have been like ripping off your own arm. You know? And I'm like, ooh, man, that is a hell of a way to describe that. So other shows have done it, but this show did it in its own way. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting, because again, it goes back to talking about her... Um, and the way she, her mentality, because Rika says to her at one point, you can't live in a fantasy. And mm-hmm. she goes, why not? Why can't, why can't you stay in a fantasy? Yeah. Which, again, kind of not only reveals a lot about her, but also reveals what's kind of actually going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. 
more. Yeah. Than yeah. I mean, <laughs> excuse me. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, it's the nail on the head because by the, by the final episode, when everyone is more or less decided, th- everyone is more or less decided, like, we have to, uh, you know, well, I mean, she tried to stab Utah. Well, it's because yeah. of the, this thing fails and she's like, I throw kaiju at him. He beats them. We, you know, he stops me from removing the people who, who I don't like from my world. And he beats my kaiju. I can't beat him. So I'm going to create this perfect world to just get him off the board. And that doesn't work. And it's like, the only thing she can think of to do last is just, I'm just going to go up and stab him. Yeah. I just have to kill him. Yeah. And that's the first thing. Kill him good and proper. Herself. Yeah. That's the first, like, I don't, want to, I don't know what you want to call it. The time that she exhibits the most agency. Yeah. Well, like she creates the kaiju and she's created the world. But but that's also also all Alexis Carib. Yeah. 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 She's also kind of hands off, kind of cut off from it, and that's a running theme of her character and her sense of isolation. This is the first thing that she does herself, and like the the blood from that attack is on her for the rest of the series. Yeah, it's, and I think that's also the moment. I mean, like, and she's still kind of broken. She's still like. Never like a super well put together. <laughs> from well, the start. Yeah, I mean, and I think also it's interesting uh, because when you think about the fact that she says the line of "Why can't you stay in a fantasy world?" and, and then you start to realize she is essentially this world's god, right? And she's created everything. You can assume that she has given herself the life that she wishes that she was. She's made her the, herself the most popular kid in school, even though her personality kind of is. The, a personality that would not be the person, the the most popular kid in right. school. She, you know, she has the largest breasts, uh, you know, <laughs> because that's something that she sees herself as needing right. to have. You know, she has this giant mansion in a part of town that there shouldn't be a giant mansion. Yes, and it's right next door <laughs> to oh to the fucking. God. I I couldn't <laughs> believe that. They made, they had this running thing the whole series about like, well, like like. How does she and Rika know each other? Because they seem like they, they they say multiple times that they used to be really good friends. Yeah. Maybe back in middle school. And they're like, oh, and they're like, oh, well, we live nearby to each other. Sometimes we ride the bus together. We just, we've grown up nearby each other. And then, like, one of the very last episodes, they zoom out from Rika's house. And as you zoom out, you see that her house is right fucking next door. <laughs> it is right there. Yeah, it's, it's a good, house. it's actually a really good gag because they're, they haven't shown that it's next door. And they're like... Well, why don't we just go over and talk to her? You know where she lives, right? And they're like, yeah. And then they walk outside and just walk to the house next door. And it's right it's there. borderline farcical but at certain but times. That's why it works. And mm-hmm. that also yeah. helps to add to that sense of unreality about mm-hmm. this. Whole, yeah. And whole it's, house. but you got to think about it. It's like she, if you look at her room, it's filled with every kaiju toy in, that you can think of. And she's got like trash bags, which I can only assume are full of. More toys and merch. Like, she literally gave herself every material thing that she thought she wanted. She made herself the most popular kid in school. She gave herself the the, the look that would be, you know, the... The magical Yeah, that. she's the magical... The, the thing that she thinks that she needs to be. Right. And she is living in a fantasy world that she doesn't want to ma- wake up from. Right. And And the thing that I think... The thing that was what broke her. The thing that... And it's not explicitly stated, not that I can think of, but I don't... And again, she never really realized that these are real people. Yeah. They are... They... they Even though she created them, I mean, the, the, they never refute the fact that she's God, that yeah. she created this world. 
But they're still living people, and they still have their own lives that they want to be in control of, and they want to live their lives and fall in love and eat good food and do all the things you're supposed to be able to do when you're alive. And she doesn't fundamentally understand that, which is why, you know, uh, Alexis is uh, able to turn her into a kaiju at the very end. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Grid Knight fights it and, um, uh, you know, Auntie goes in to save her, essentially, in, in because it becomes... Everybody basically realizes, like, look, we can't just destroy Akane. We can't just kill her. Or rather, it's never it's never even presented well, as an option. Yeah, because, I mean, they and they even kind of come right out and say, like, like, look, she may be doing all this, and she may be God or whatever, but she's, she's still our friend. She's a broken person, yeah. and we need to help her. Yeah. And, and I... Th- Right, and I thought that was a really beautiful moment that you really only super get, again, if you're kind of familiar with the original series, but it can work on its own, too. But that comes up later, because, um, actually, I I also really appreciated that when, um, because there's there's references to stuff besides just the original Gridman and Evangelion and Ultraman. There's a ton of visual references to tons of other media, especially giant robot anime. Um but uh, there's actually a really great moment at the very end when when Akane is inside of that kaiju's body and um, Auntie is trying to save her. Uh, and that moment where she's sort of floating around in space inside of it and then his giant hand reaches in and grabs her, that is all visual callbacks to Gamera 3, Revenge of Iris, when Gamera saves... Um, What's her name from being inside of Iris? So, uh, watch your kaiju movies, kids. That's how you learn about life, just like me. Um, anyway, um, so it comes down to it, and um, after Akane tries to kill Yuta, essentially Gridman more or less takes over. Yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't well, take over. So it also kind of reveals that the reason Yuta doesn't have memories mm-hmm. is because he is Gridman. He, he was essentially Grid- a construct. He was... Gridman took over his body. The real Yuta is technically not... He's like... He's not there. He's not there. And, and like he but sleep somewhere in the Yeah, he's a... Brain. Which yeah. is a recurring thing in the Ultraman series. And so it's... it's he, The reason Gridman needs him is because they're... Because of whatever happened to cause him to try to break into this world, it fractured him. Right. And so he, and then once Yuta realizes that he is actually Gridman and not Yuta, mm-hmm. he's just Gridman in Yuta's body, and that's why he has no memory of anything prior to the moment he wakes up at the first episode. Right. It kind of picks up from there. Right. And, and, and at this point is when, you know, we have to get everybody together. And because again, it's a, it's a big, it's a big thing with Super Aya series is that it's about the power of friendship and it's about the power of, even if you're not, even if you can't physically do anything, the fact that you're there supporting someone and cheering someone on is is really is is incredible strength, and that's what. Oh God, that was all. That was Utsumi's entire development arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just like I don't do anything. I just spout references to various pop culture media, and um, that's okay. 
he's there for his friend, and that's all he needs to be there for. Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, Utah at some point, or Gridman as Utah, goes up to him and is like, yeah, I need you there. Why? I don't do anything. But you're my friend, and I need you there. Rika even yeah. says, like, your friend is asking for your help. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like, it's... Oh, God damn it, Suraya! Anyway, um... The, uh... And, of course, that's when everybody does the true access flash. Everybody gets an acceptor. Yeah. And... Including Anti. Which I wasn't really clear on, but why Anti got a... No, 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 because he was a kaiju. He was a kaiju that Akane made. Right. But he developed. He became more and more human. Well, I guess to me it it was a little a little odd because while he did become Grid Knight, I guess it was just that um, why didn't every if he got one, it was weird to me that everyone didn't get one. Like why um, Rika and Utsumi didn't also get them? I mean, it makes sense for uh, Utah and the Neon Genesis Club to uh, get ac- acceptors because they're they're digital beings. Yeah, they're not from they're not from that world. And right. In a in a way, you could you could argue that Auntie is also not quote unquote from that world. He's not a he's not a human. He's not a for lack of a better word, he's not a character from that world, even though Akane made him, but he is, he's developed beyond his programming kind of thing. It was probably just, I don't know, I mean, I felt like at one point uh, Gridman had an attack called Grid Knight something, and maybe that was the reference, I don't know, but the point is that everybody access flashes, and this is, I didn't see this coming, which is, oh, Turns out that all this fancy CGI grid man with his redesigned and everything, all that bullshit. Now nah, fuck that. It, 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 it's it's the original grid man. That's the real shit. Like literally, the body breaks away, and it's just the original grid man. Yeah. And it's the true access flash and everything. I thought that was a little. I was well. I I love callbacks and references to stuff like that. And did am I? Correct in remembering that someone, either Alexis Crib or or, uh, or somebody, kind of made a comment that the costume was very old school. Yeah, uh, Karib Alexis did say like it's a very. He says, "Oh, Natsukashi Gudman." He's like it's very nostalgic looking. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think nostalgic ver- is the well the translation anyway. Well, Natsukashi is yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very nebulous, but yeah. nostalgic is the closest thing. Um. But yeah, it's it's just like I don't know. I think that I, I don't say I, I don't saying I dislike it. I'm just saying I think there's a um, it feels sort of like oh yeah, this cool new Gridman redesign we did. That's bullshit. Uh, fuck that in our own show. I don't know. It felt a little. I don't know. I felt like it was a little. Well, then why did this new Gridman? Why did this new Gridman form exist in the first place? Like, I don't know. It's fine because he wasn't complete. Yes. Sure, it, no, if whatever. you actually look um, at it, when he fir- in the first episode, when he first changes to Gridman, he doesn't look like Gridman right, later. He's green and purple. Yeah, and he's he looks very like uh, Evil One. Uh, yes, he does. Uh, for me, God and damn then, it, Trigger. <laughs> and then uh, Samurai Caliber comes in and upgrades uh, Junk, the computer that they use to to turn into Gridman, you know, which you itself to- is a, is also in the original show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he upgrades it to which gives. Gridman, the look that he has through most of the series. Right. So, I mean, it kind of makes sense because, again, he even says, like, I'm fractured. That's why you don't know that you're Gridman and that I need you to, 
the, why Yuta doesn't know he's Gridman because it Gridman is not complete. And then right. when they're all able to access Flash, suddenly he is complete, and it brings back the full form. So is that why there's a Gridman in Junk if Yuta is also Gridman? Is that like a piece of? Yes. Well, that's what, I and mean, that's how I interpreted it. It's, I mean, that that all tracks. That all makes sense because to me. even he, they even kind of mentioned that the Neon Genesis Junior High, while they are other characters, they're also a piece of Gridman. Yeah, right. It, I, I think it is implied at one point they have a quick little flash of it that when Gridman entered this world, um, Carib attacked him and broke him apart. Yeah, and uh, that's why you see the stars all scatter yeah. uh, in the opening scene. Uh, the opening episode, but um, uh, we're we've been at this for an hour, so we we, we need to barrel onto the ending, which okay. is what our um, which is sort of what kind of prompted this. So they do the true access flash. He becomes the original Gridman. He, he fights Alexis Kara, but then there's this whole thing about how like, well, my power is immortal now because I can I can never die basically yeah. because. I've, he's drawn all of his power from Akane's sadness. Yes. And, and it's true infinite sadness. Right. Because that's... Because she smashing pumpkins. That's... <laughs> well, that's what depression does. It's this Make rabbit sure hole you're... Con- Shut up. It's this, it's this rabbit hole you're constantly digging yourself down into. And it's like this... It's this. It's a cycle. It's an endless yeah. cycle of 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 all that, and you really get the impression that there's something going on in 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 Akane's mind that's keeping her locked away. She has to open this door. It's all metaphor and shit. Yeah, the, I will say the the ending is very ambiguous mm-hmm. in in what's actually going on, but also. Like, it's very direct in certain ways and very ambiguous in other ways, mm. which leaves a lot to interpretation. Right. Which I like. I like it when they when shows do that. Uh, and, of course, uh, Gridman can't just punch Alexis to pieces. Uh, he uses a power that he had in the original show that brought up earlier, which is the Fixer Beam, which was what he used to repair damage that Kaiju caused. But um, it's essentially... It's... It's basically doing what the poison kaiju were doing, but it's doing it for realties now because it's the power to heal, and that's how you heal a kind of soul, essentially. But it doesn't bring back all the people she killed. That's right, it didn't. Which I think is, is kind of is kind it's appropriate. Of, yeah, I yeah. think it's kind of nice. Like it, it's not it's not everything's fine. Nothing that she did matters because everything's fine. Like there was still that yeah. loss of life. But what I also what yeah. I also really liked was that, so when they talk about her being God, about Akane being God, uh, she talks about how all that exists is the city. Because that's all, there's a point where she's like, this is all I can do is this city. I can't, the the only time that characters travel outside the city, she had to create that and then got rid of it as soon as she was done with it. Right. Um, and then they say, and then uh, a character basically says, well, you should trust us and let us help you. And then when the the healing beam happens, suddenly the city becomes an entire planet. Yeah. Right, because it, it was, as you get deeper in the series, you start seeing the digital world. Yeah. You start seeing the, 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 it's the, it's the visual callbacks to the original series where things are made out of these circuit board buildings and stuff. And there is no sky. It's just more circuitry and more of these, more of this stuff. And... That I think was the was the most interesting thing for me because 
with the very, very end because after he uses, quote, the power of mortality, which I think was a, a really nice little line about how when you're mortal, you have something to fight for. Yeah. And that strength is, is there, that, that strength is stronger than, um, being immortal and essentially having nothing to live for. Yeah. Which is also what despair and depression is. It's just endlessly convincing yourself you have nothing to live for. Fucking art of cinema. And, uh, the, uh, and, and so what the implication is, is that, oh, Gridman was never giant. This has all just been in its own universe inside of the digital world this yeah. whole time. It's just like it was in the original show this whole time. It just looks like an actual city as opposed to these circuit boards and yes. stuff. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I don't know if anybody else wants to take it, but... No, keep going. Keep going. You're on a roll, man. Okay, so, and then, because of the fixer beam, because Gridman essentially says, okay, our mission is completed, we're... We're, we're, I'm going back to the hyper world. I'm taking my bros with me. Taking Alexis Crib, who's in a tiny cage. Right, because. Which is really adorable looking. I love it. He's just a little, little like. And, um, and, and he's like, thanks for everything. And what I love is that the chamber they're inside of when they're saying bye to Gridman is the access flash, like, docking bay, so to speak, yeah. from the original show. For no real reason other than that it's just an entry and exit point. Um, and then. Uh, you know, it's like everyone's gonna go live their lives, except that Akane, Akane can't stay here. Yeah. She's not necessarily been healed, but she's been shown the way out. Yeah. And I love this theme of rehabilitation. I mean, she did things that she can't take back. And she basically decides that the best thing to do is to leave. Leave the fantasy and face the real world. Right. And let these people live their lives. And I love is that Rika, she's having this beautiful conversation with Rika. And Rika is basically telling her, yeah, I know. You did all these terrible things. But you can't take them back. The yeah. only thing you can do is move forward. And, sorry. No, I, just, no, I keep feeling like I'm yeah. interrupting you. No, 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 no. You're talking. Um, I'm just listening. And on top of that, you know, and, and there's just this great moment where... Uh, Rika gives her the little, the, the, the bus pass holder, which yeah. is really cute. Yeah. Very much a Japanese thing. It's very cute. And then Akane goes away. She yes. just blinks out of existence. Yeah. Boop. And, and of course also Utah, because, because Gridman's left, she left Utah. So now everyone's wondering like, well, what's going to happen to Utah? You know, who is he going to be now? Is he going to be himself? Is he going to, was he anything before this? Well, apparently he was. I mean, they knew him yeah. Right. So. However long they technically existed. And his parents came back home. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Home, it's which... like, oh, he's got parents now. Yeah. They, well, they probably didn't exist before Gridman's, before Gridman's Fixer Beam. They, they they, they were an existential concept that now, that now exists. Yeah. Which is also weird. Oh, so cool. A lot of weirdness. And then they do the big thing that threw a lot of people off, which is. Hard, not hard cut necessarily, but we fade in to a live action scene. Yes. In a bedroom with the card pass holder. And though it's a different color. Is it a different color? It is a different color. It's been a while since I've seen that. Um, but it is still visually a reference to the card pass holder. It is. It, it's, it's, it's closer color palette to, um, Rika's. 
ah. th- than the one that she actually gave her. Which that, along with a few other with a few lines of dialogue, leads me into a really big theory that I have about this show. Okay, tell me, Akane is actually Rika. You think so? So when so the idea here is that uh, the Alexis Kira. Whatever Akane has this deep despair about herself, right? She because the live action version looks like Rika's character design. It does. It, it does. I mean, I mean, you don't get a good scene. They kind of leave it a lot out of focus, and mm. no person has purple hair. Um, but <laughs> but if you actually look in the but I mean if you look in the room that that she's in the she has like her school outfit which is closer to Akane or, or mm. you know to to Rika's Rika's, Rika's yeah. outfit uh, she has hair in the same style as Rika's hair yes so the idea that that I thought of that that kind of the way I interpreted it was. She created this world. Well, because she's a human and a normal person, she can't just create something from nothing. So she just copied the world from her memories. Okay. The city is just a hodgepodge of different things that she... Yuda is most likely a real boy that she maybe had a crush on. Sure. Or maybe had a cru- that she knew had a crush on her. Right. Um. And, you know, like, these are all based on real people that she knows. She is probably a huge kaiju person fan, which is why when she created the world, she gave her all these kaiju toys and to herself. And because she doesn't, she's not happy with herself, she completely changes herself into the magical pixie anime girl with the giant boobs and is the most popular person in school. Sure, sure. But because she still has that connection to herself, she probably did grow up in a pawn shop, uh, her parents probably, which is why she's next door to it. Sure. And she even says, I programmed you. Like when she, when she's talking to Rika, she says, I made you to love me. You can't do anything but want to be my friend because she desperately wants to like herself, but doesn't. So she's created this version of herself that is programmed to love. And that's why when there's a scene where there's, where she's like, what uh you know she's like well what do you think of me to to Rika and Rika says well i love you and she's like yeah that's because i made you that way and then and then Rika goes what do you think of me and right as uh akane is about to answer alexis crib pops in and goes this conversation's pointless let's move on you know like like we're not going to talk about this anymore no 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 nothing going on here really interesting i i didn't i never even considered that and that's why in that conversation at the very end where she's like i'm a coward and she's like i know and i'm this i know because they're the same person and she's and so when she goes back to her world she's you know she's kind of Dealing with she's she wakes up and that that it's a whole letter, level level of meta and the video that I was talking about earlier that pointed out something I didn't catch is if you actually watch the ending credits mm-hmm. they're always kind of weird because they're live action shots of locations right, with right. animated characters and there's scenes where it's just Akane and she's dressed a very or uh, Rika and she's dressed a very specific way and then suddenly. There's scenes with Rika and Akane. They're both dressed exactly the same, and everyone else is dressed differently. Oh. And then there's and then there's scenes where Ak- Akane disappears, and Rika's back by herself, and it's cold. Or you know, it, there's there's little things, there's little uh, signifiers that that kind of you know whether looking into it or too much or not. I mean, I, that's a really interesting thought. It, 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 I, I had, I had not considered that. The, the one thing though 
is that, and I might be wrong, so I encourage everyone to go Google this and see if I'm wrong or not. I had heard that there is a little name tag somewhere in that final scene that says Akane Shinjo on it. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, it could be, what I'm saying is that Rika is... May not be her her name, right? But, but it's an that, extension of herself. That that is an extension because she even says that she's the only one that she made to purposefully want to be her friend. You know, it's possible that uh, I was thinking that because of those uh, pictures, those those pictures look like they're from junior high, like a grade before or yeah. something. I was assuming that Rika was based on someone that Morgan and I talked about this. That Rika was based on someone that was Akane's friend back when they were okay. kids. Possible, but that's that's a really interesting interpretation, though. The idea of her being Rika, yeah, or essentially Rika, or that they're that they're Rika is based off of her actual per- person. Yes, yeah. um, and it's closer to who she actually is. But she's kind of, and, and that person is a little bit, you know, is somewhat popular, mm-hmm. but not like super popular. And, you know, she's also someone that probably hides the fact that she, you know, there there are two aspects of the same person. Right. You know, she also has this person that loves the Ultra series and loves kaiju stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've seen a couple of different things where some people are saying that the entire series is a dream. Like that, that ending live action series means the entire series is a dream. And it's just someone who was a hardcore Gridman fan and had a dream and was working out their personal stuff through this dream. Mm. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think it all happened. I, I, yeah. I feel like Alexis Kirib is a being in the same vein as Khan Dignifier or whatever the hell his name <laughs> is. Digifer. Digifer. Um, and, you know, and the character from that magazine comic. Uh, oh, yeah. The, um, his, him at Khan's uh, brother, uh, or y- something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, they're probably from the same, they're the species of whatever the creature they are. Right, right. And he is, he approached her because she's sad and whatnot, and they may not need a computer to actually... It's always been very nebulous as to whether or not they really needed a computer, yeah. but... And, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of one thing, and there's one question that I wanted to ask you, mm. and this kind of informs that theory a little bit more. Okay. Um, but also, the other thing was that, uh, before I get to that, uh, that just popped in my head, the other thing that was interesting is that, you know, they asked, well, why did Gridman choose Yuta and it shows the scene of Yuta looking at Rika very like I'm in love with her and I will do anything kind of like the idea is that he chose Yuta because of Yuta's connection to Rika mm. which again goes back to the theory that they're actually the same thing and he's the only one that could reach Akane because he's actually in love with her even if it's the real version of her right it's this projection of her yeah. or whatever um, construct and not the the this is what I wish I looked like mm. version of Akane um Kind of leaning more towards that. But, so in the original series, mm. they had Junk, the original Gridman. They had right. Junk, which was the computer that the kids were building. Uh, right. Didn't one of the parents run, like, an actual antique store or a junk shop or something like that? One of the parents of one of the kids? I actually don't think so. But okay. I think the kids um, would just, would go to a okay. uh, a secondhand okay. shop and they would buy that stuff from that shop. Okay. If I remember correctly... I'm just trying to remember everybody's parents. I think one set of parents ran like a flower shop, another set of parents, uh, one was a doctor, and another one worked for some, just he was like a salary In my head, I almost thought it would be interesting in another maybe connection or callback to something where it would turn out that Akane is actually 
the daughter of one of those three kids See, and was specifically targeted by Alexis as a revenge plot. That would be really interesting, I think, if they made some kind of a sequel or something. Yeah. But I was going to say one of the things I also really appreciated about the live action, the fact that it was live action, is is a reinforcement that the real world, quote unquote, in the Gridman universe is the live action world. Yes. yes. And it's possible that that Akane created this world to look like anime because anime looks better than reality. Yes. And it's prettier. Yeah. I mean, like like you were saying, some people were saying, oh, the whole thing was a dream. I don't think it was a dream. I think she was playing The Sims. Like, I think, <laughs> yeah. No, no, literally, because it's, it's a digital world. Gridman exists in the digital world, so it's a digital creation that she's made. It's possible also that, uh, and you're right, it, she may have been doing that and then eventually just fell into this coma because Alexis's uh, influence. Like, like, like game addiction is a real thing. Like, like if you, if, like if you're, if you're down on yourself and you want to create quote unquote, this perfect world where you control everything and you make the quote unquote perfect version of yourself is this big boobed, pink haired magic. Everyone loves me. I'm super popular. I didn't do anything. To Even though I'm a kaiju girl. nerd. Kaiju nerd girl with, you know, the big mansion, all that stuff. Like, like you would go into the Sims and you you do like the rosebud thing and you give yourself all of the money and you you build you you build it the way that you want it and mm-hmm. then of course because you control everything and there's no free will and you didn't technically earn any of that it's hollow and empty and that makes you feel sad but it's also your escape from the real world where you feel bad about yourself or something's going on and so you just want to spend all your time in the game so I don't I don't really think that it was like a literal like like she's in the game or maybe this is the future I don't know when it's like a, like a AR kind of thing but like like that that's kind of how I that's kind of how I, I view it like my, my one of my favorite things is that and again you don't notice these things until you, you get to the end and you know what you know about her character and then you think back on it one of the first scenes we see with Akane Shinjo in episode one she's up on the roof She's above everyone. She's looking down on all of the people on her creation of this world, like the ants that they are. And she's separate from everyone, and she doesn't look happy. And, like, that is the setup for the entire series. It, it's, it's, um, oh, man. Uh, damn it. I, I was, I was, I was going to make a, a, a an addendum to that. Uh, just this idea of her, um, oh, yes. So, I mean... I think I think they're all. That's the thing. That's the thing that's really beautiful about this show is that you can kind of interpret this however you want. Okay, I mean, yeah, there's not there's not like a correct answer. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of ambiguity. I think yeah. they really intentionally made this as vague as they could oh, too. Um, one thing I was also going to say was that it was how relevant this was culturally to the Japanese because I think there's I my personal thought. If I'm going to add my the third yeah, theory sure. here, go for it. Um, is she's not she's all of those things. She's also a Hikikomori, which is a particular. Oh, the mm-hmm, shut-ins! Yeah, she's a particular. It's a particular phenomenon, not necessarily unique to the Japanese, but the way it is unique to the Japanese is unique to them. Um, a Hikikomori is someone who, yes, like Morgan said, is a shut-in who basically they've just stopped interacting with people. They don't really need to go anywhere or do anything. They just stay at home and. And a lot of them are otaku. A lot of them are nerds, and they're socially awkward. They're socially they awkward. Have a support network. And the thing is about Japan is that it's a very um, 
There's a lot of people in a very small space, but can also be a very isolating place to live. Because one of the reasons why you have that many people in that such a small amount of space and they haven't all fucking killed each other yet is, uh, like, I, I have a running theory that if you were to, like, to, to a phase space, um, replace all the Japanese people in America with just, a, uh, sorry, all the Japanese people in Japan with Americans, the place would be on fire within 24 hours. Yeah. Um, the uh, the one of the reasons why they're able to do that is because there's a certain amount of detachment from each other there, uh, and as a result, it's sort of one of the reasons why they keep their society, keep their wheels greased, and keep their society moving. So you don't you don't bog everybody down with your problems. Yeah, you yeah, don't you don't rock the boat. Yeah, I was gonna say I wouldn't even call it like a detachment. I would call it a suppression of the individual for the sake of the society. Yes, I mean that's that's a more accurate description. That's actually a really good description. Yeah, and as a result, you have people who essentially are like, well, I don't. If nobody really needs me to be here, and I don't really need anyone else, and I'm already suffering probably from some form of depression or something, I'm just going to close myself off and just not interact with anyone. So I think that in a, in a way, it was sort of a stealth-like, this is the story of a Hikikomori who fell down this rabbit hole, was started to be preyed upon by a literal monster, and she had to basically break out of it. And that's the only way she's going to be able to move forward is to wake up. And I mean, the waking up thing could have been metaphorical in its own right. I mean, yeah, it could have been metaphorical could have been literal. It's, it's, it's ambiguous. So I, I, it's a good show. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. I, yeah. I enjoyed it way more than I was expecting, and I expected to enjoy it. <laughs> I just remember bringing this up on, uh, back before the show dropped, I brought this up on an episode of The Gathering here at Chris's place, and I remember everybody being, being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> well, I, yeah, like, I, I, I tried talking to a, to Amanda, my, my wife, about this, and she... Uh, she has only watched a handful of episodes of Gridman that I've seen. Uh, that, that we got together and watched. Yeah, that, that Matt showed us. And she only watched, like, the first episode, maybe the first, second episode of Gridman. Uh, or the anime. SS, yeah, the anime. Yeah. And she's just like, yeah, I have no desire to watch more of it. You're, you're, you're good. Like... Well, that's like us and watching She-Ra. Well, it's, and it's not even and it's not even a that she hated it or anything. She was like, no, it's actually really good. What I saw it was actually very interesting. And if you wanted to watch it with me there great but i have a shit ton of other stuff that i need to catch up on yeah. and there's it is it is and a this is very low on my priority list there's a particular um vibe to it that you sort of have to be on board for because the first episode emotions aren't running super high yeah. everyone's a little blasé about what's happening and i think that can throw that's people like a, off that's a little like bit a running theme, though. it like, is like everybody's kind of like very like, casual like when hibiki is like he's like no guys she's like god they're like Really? Like sure? that song, what if God was one of us, just a, one of us, just a slob like the, one of us? There was a line where someone says, why would God go to high school? And all I could think of was a, a Star Trek. What would God need with Starship? <laughs> you don't ask the Almighty for his ID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jim. Anyway, yeah. but that's all I could think of Dirt when I read that, that subtitle. I was just like, that's really fun. Uh, that's really fun, though. Uh, but honestly... Who wouldn't want to go back to high school if you could remake it to where you're the popular kid and you don't really have any responsibilities? And well, but again, like we saw with Akane, like that's kind of a hollow existence. Exactly. Like that's 
Yeah. Fucking. It, it was because it was also weird because, like I said, again, she's constantly referred to as the most popular girl in school. And she's constantly – everyone's like, oh, yeah, everyone's friends with her. She's the most popular girl in school. She's the bee's knees. But when you see her, she's always by herself. Oh. Everyone is talking to other people. No one is talking to her. They're always by themselves. And they're always – she's always by herself, sorry. And on top of that – um, no one's ever at her house, you know, yeah. she's, her home is filled with fucking garbage bags, yeah. and... Well, you, she doesn't actually like people. Like, like, whenever anybody gets into her personal space, they die. Yeah, I was gonna say, that guy... Yeah, the, the, the what was it, the teacher, he accidentally bumped into her. Yeah. yeah. And then she decided, well, he's gotta go. He didn't apologize to me, therefore, because, again, not only does she not like people, she doesn't like what she perceives to be facsimiles of people, because they're... Oh, man. It's such a damn good show! But we've been at this for an hour and a half, and just about, and um, I think we should probably go into some final thoughts, and we can even give it a rating if you want, an old-fashioned one of us, like, something out of ten rating. So, um... Okay, uh, well, you want to go first, honey? Sure. I can get John to go first. Uh, that's fine. Uh, so, final thoughts. Um, yeah, I think it, I think it helps if you're already a fan of Tokusatsu. There's a there's a lot of I mean, not only there are there a lot of references and callbacks to specific Tokusatsu, but also just sort of the tone of the whole thing kind of follows that. Uh, I can see for an American audience who's maybe not familiar with Japanese media in particular, the the tone could be off putting or like the the, the character's thought processes could be sort of strange. You're like, why aren't you freaking out about this? <laughs> but overall, it's just a fantastic series. It's Studio Trigger, so the animation is gorgeous. Um, if you if you are a fan of shows, of Tuxatsu shows in particular, you're going to find a bajillion Easter eggs to scream about and go, did they really just do that? Did yeah. they really just oh, do yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, Samurai Caliber is the best character in the known history of characters. Um, <laughs> it it just has it has so many layers. It has so many little visual hints of what is to come, and I'm so glad I didn't pick up on any of them because now I get to look back on them and, and squee. Uh, yeah, I just I highly recommend giving it a shot. It's just a really fantastic show. I'm gonna give it eight s's. I like that. I like that, John. Um, I I I do agree with a lot of what uh with what Morgan said here. Um, uh, so it is a really good show. It's well written, and the it does a lot to not only reference but also turn expectations because of those references on their head a little bit Mm -hmm. so that even if you are familiar and you think you know what's going to happen that doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen um well yeah we spoiled everything (laughs) for you but um but i I really appreciated that like even when i thought it was going to go left it went right and sometimes it went straight up um but yeah uh, but, uh, and like you said, the animation is, is great and there's a lot of really cool characters. And even if I'm not like super familiar with, with Gridman, um, you know, and I still understood a lot of it. So again, it does help to be a fan of that type of show. Um, but as far as like a rating, uh, I would give it, uh, uh, nine Samurai Calibers out of 10. 
Nice. Very nice. Very nice. Well, uh, I mean, you guys pretty much echoed a lot of my thoughts. Uh, I, I, the one thing I will say is that I think that by the end, uh, this show, uh, really had, uh, essentially elevated itself from being an above average, uh, fan service series to really being kind of brilliant. And, and I honestly just sort of wish it was a little longer. You know, I wish there was more to it, but it was, just by looking at it, it's probably a pretty expensive show to produce. And uh, 13 episode runs are not uncommon in Japan. I-, I don't know if I'd really necessarily want a sequel series about Grid Knight because, as much as I love Anti and Grid Knight and that whole thing, uh, and they kind of were, I, 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 they were kind of suggesting that might be the case. I don't know if I necessarily want him to be the main character because it, I worry that the you might run into a situation where it's like, oh, you guys really like this eccentric side character from the original. We're going to make him the main character, and he's going to lose everything that's interesting about him. So, I don't know. I mean, there's ways they could do it, I'm sure. But um, but anyway, I I was really, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think it, I'm so much, I'm, I'm glad that it was so much more than I expected it to be. And um, I think anybody expected it to be. And it's really wonderful that we're in this age where this particular kind of media, you know, where you're getting things like SSSS.Gridman or things like Colossal and other um, callbacks to this particular genre that aren't just fan wankery. They're doing something interesting with the, they they have something to say, and I think that's really important for the genre because you can kind of do just about anything with the genre. People just don't do it, you know, or assume it's a limited genre. But anyway, I'm I'm probably gonna give this. I'm gonna give this. I think this might be a ten out of ten for me. I think this might be uh, at lowest would be like a nine or a nine and a half. But uh, you know, I ten access flashes out of ten. Uh. Don't fucking speak for me with my references. Uh, this is a uh, ten out of ten uh, Gridman action figures I have not purchased yet <laughs> that I'm waiting for them to come out. Well, hey, Grid Knight is getting an action figure, and you bet Auntie is getting an action figure too. Oh no, oh, no. <laughs> those are going to be yours, I'm sure. Are they going to go with all of your Bolton figures? What if there's a what if there's a little chibi uh, samurai caliber figure? Oh God. <laughs> she hadn't even thought, contemplated that that could be a thing. Oh yeah, that's little, what you just now. Little neoroid, neodroid figures where it's like oh, no, a little. No, 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 you don't like those? They're kind of weird, right? No. Okay. Pops, no. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll keep an eye open then. All right. Thanks, everybody. Remember to access Flash before you go to bed, and uh, just uh, yeah, gonna gonna shoot all our grid beams and gonna jump off of buildings. Into traffic. I don't know where. Oh my god, why? Anyway, thanks for checking us out. Uh, we're on iTunes and Spotify. That's Remember true. that. Check that out. Does anybody else have anything else they want to plug? Uh, I, outside of this one guest appearance, I do a, <laughs> a regular podcast called Geek Bombast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, uh, right now we don't have a legit website, but you can find us at bit.ly forward slash Geek Bombast. Uh, that takes you to our YouTube page. Nice. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're... We're on Stitcher. We're on every every podcast thing that you can think 
you would want a podcast on, you'd you probably there. <laughs> uh, but I do that. We talk about pop culture stuff all the time. Uh, we just had our best of 2018 episode, and uh, this upcoming week we're going to have a Spider-Man centric episode. And nice, yeah, great. So. And you and I are both pretty regularly on RageSelect.com. I not as much as you would think. I was going to say, yeah, you actually haven't been on for a little while. It's I, mostly I, your wife. <laughs> yeah, no, mostly I appear on the the podcast. You're on the there. podcast. I'm yeah. on the podcast there. So yeah, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Morgan and I are on Gigantic Hust a lot, but we're also she sometimes pops up on my YouTube channel with me unexpectedly. If you uh, right now, if you just search for Godzilla King of the Monsters. Our reaction video is one of the first things that comes up, which is terrifying. I'm never going to understand that at all. That's so bizarre to me. I, I said it before. You're both adorable. Yay. Together. Yes. No, I'm just saying that entire vi- both of those videos. Uh, they're you're both adorable. They're really thank you. I appreciate that. We, we have fun, and uh, yeah, and you can also find all of my art and everything on MattFrankArt.net now. Yes, an official website. Fucking finally. All right, kids. Thank you so much. And like I said, you know, don't forget to access Flash, or else you're gonna fucking you know the the, the hospital's gonna come alive and kill your brother while he's getting surgery.